Welcome, friends. You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. A few of my favorite ordinary things are hitting snooze on the alarm clock, hot coffee with heavy cream, and a new local cafe with great writing spots. Lisa Joe, I love wrapping up in a cozy cardigan, going for long walks on cold afternoons, and warming up around a real fire. All right, friends, here's today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Here we go, Chrissy. 2020. There's just something about that even number that feels really significant and exciting. I don't know. 2020. I like the sound of it. It brings a calendar up in my mind in a way I don't normally. Like you and I have talked before about how we're not huge on New Year's. And yet you're going to laugh when I tell you who came to mind when I think about 2020, when I think about calendars. Our good pal, my love to hate and your love to love, Martha Stewart came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect that. I thought maybe you would say Barbara Walters. Have you seen those? 2020. (laughs) I'm Barbara Walters and this is 2020. But Martha Stewart, really? Because, so we've talked about this in previous episodes. I actually think in episode 40, we recorded an episode called Christy Was Wrong and Martha Stewart Was Right. And we talked about how she in Martha Stewart Living, I don't actually know if she still does this because I don't get the magazine, but I know you have an entire shelf of them in your kitchen. <laughs> she used to always have this gardening calendar that would appear in every issue. And then she would say what you're supposed to be doing in your garden. And I would mock and think, who has time for these? Like, take out the bulbs trim the, I don't even have the words. I don't know the vocab, (laughs) but for some reason, 2020, just I flashed and I had a picture of Martha and her gardening calendar in my mind. Oh, it's really, it's really interesting that you would think of that. Well, okay. (laughs) It's hilarious that you would think of that because you're Lisa Joe and we're talking about Martha Stewart, (laughs) but it's actually really funny to me because I had this moment in December. I think I was in the grocery store checkout line, no doubt buying, you know, doing one of those massive grocery runs we have to do before the holidays. And I saw on, you know, you're standing in the line and I saw the magazine rack and I saw the latest issue of Martha Stewart Living and it had a Christmas tree on the cover, of course. And I realized that I hadn't seen that in my house. And I I thought, I don't, I'm not getting them. I didn't get the magazine. I didn't get the December issue. And you're right that I have been a subscriber, a faithful subscriber for many, many years. I find it just inspiring and, you know, I get good recipes and so on. Um, and But I hadn't seen that magazine. And so later I was sifting through some uh, just piles that piled up on a kitchen desk. And I found an envelope from Martha Stewart Living. And and I had never opened it. It had just gotten slotted under this mess. And on the envelope, it said something like, last notice to subscribe. (gasps) No. You missed resubscribing to Martha? I missed it. But Lisa Joe, more than that, I felt at first real disappointment, right? Because I've never done that for years and years. And I just assumed I would go on subscribing. But in that moment, I, okay, I'm going to channel Elsa and Frozen here. Lisa Joe, I let it go. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> so I have to 
say, because I remember before you and I did the podcast regularly, before I was coming to your house as regularly as I do now, because we didn't live as close, I remember making fun of Martha Stewart to you and actually just generically making fun of people who like Martha Stewart. And then months later, being in your kitchen and looking at your your cookbook shelves and just seeing all the spines of all the Martha Stewart magazines and going, oh no, Christy, you are one of those people. And so that's, I can't imagine you not getting those anymore. I know. I had this moment where I had to think, oh, do I hop online? Do I send out my check? Whatever. Do I resubscribe? And then I just thought, Lisa Joe, you're right. I have so many of those magazines. I no longer have room to store them. Um, it's not a big financial thing. Magazine subscriptions really are pretty inexpensive. But I just thought, you know what? Maybe I no longer need this thing in my life every month. But Lisa Joe, as we're talking about it, I'm realizing this is a theme right now for me. This letting go, this saying no. I think last year there was a lot of letting go for me. So, okay, if this is our this is our first episode back in 2020, this is our first conversation back after the holidays and I think like many of our listeners, you and I are reflecting on last mm. year. And it's why the calendar popped into my mind. Yes. I'm not a calendar person, but it's why I think Visually, I mean, I can actually see the page when we lived in our little white rental house on Joplin Street in North Springfield. It's the only time I had a copy of Martha Stewart. I don't know why. And I remember that calendar and how organized she was, how she talked about what you have to do in your garden. And as you and I started having conversations about what this new year will look like for the two of us for the podcast, I had that calendar in my mind and it seemed so appropriate because I assumed you too <laughs> would have whatever the new year calendar is as we sat down to prepare for the year. Oh, and the irony, I cannot run down and get the latest issue <laughs> to check Martha Stewart's calendar. Oh my goodness. But I too, I have a calendar in my mind. You know what I think it is, Lisa Joe. You and I have shared on the podcast before that the new year, January 1st, it doesn't always feel like a big deal to us. I think maybe we were in school ourselves for many years. We have kids who are in school. Um, in a lot of ways, our family rhythms are still still geared toward a September or you know late August, new year, <laughs> new school year rhythm. But there's something different for me this year. And I don't know, I wonder actually if, if some of our listeners are feeling it as well, but maybe it's something to do with that number, 2020. It's not only a new year, it's a new decade. And something about it is just feels a little bit more momentous. So even me, and it sounds like maybe you who aren't normally too drawn into the, you know, the new year euphoria of setting goals and, you know, doing all the planning and buying the calendars. Well, I tell you, Lisa Joe, just yesterday, I thought, I feel like I need to get myself to a store and find one of those like wall calendars that's like a year at a glance or something. I have this urge in me to see the year ahead. <laughs> what? I mean, last year we recorded an episode called Instead of Setting Goals, Try This. I am so surprised. That's so I interesting. Know. I know it feels really different for me, but you know what I think it might be, Lisa Joe. And this is this is a storytelling podcast. We will tell our stories, and I have a story to tell. But I think I'm going to tell this story because I think it encapsulates a lot of things that were hard for me about last year. And in reflecting on those hard things last year, I am realizing what my hopes are for next year. Mm. Do you mean this year? 
Yeah, this coming year. <laughs> yeah, 2020. <laughs> this year, yes. Um, this year that's that's unfolding now, even now as we speak. And so, yeah, I'm just feeling this pull to reflect and to look ahead and to plan even. And I will not use the word goal. <laughs> I can't go that far. <laughs> Maybe next year we'll talk about goals. This right, year we're talking right. about planning. <laughs> Maybe we're evolving that direction, but I think I am feeling more of an urge to, I don't know, put some things down on paper to get a calendar because I want so much for this year, 2020, to be different Mm. from 2019. So this is the story, and it does have to do with Martha Stewart, and you brought up that episode, um, episode 40, I think it was, Christy was wrong, and why Christy was wrong, and Martha Stewart was right, and um, I talked in that episode about the surprise of discovering that I would become a gardener, and in particular, that I would grow flowers, and I would grow dahlia flowers, which are pretty labor-intensive. They have always felt to me worth the effort um, once I experienced them. But yes, in that episode, if our listeners want to go back and listen to it, you'll hear about how that was not always the case. And I once, as you despise Martha Stewart, I once despised anyone who would waste their time growing such a fussy flower. But then I did and I loved it. And last year, I planted more dahlias than I'd ever planted before. I filled up this whole bed and had visions of just a glorious wall of color and late summer blooms for the house. And gosh, I had so many just hopes and dreams for that little patch of dirt. And gosh, Lisa Joe, last year was hard for a number of reasons. But in the garden, especially late summer, it was hard because we didn't get a lot of rain. And I was busy and I didn't get out there to water. And my dahlias did not do well at all. Every time I would look over at that bed, I just felt, um, <laughs> I don't know, like like my inadequacies were on parade for the world to see. <laughs> you know, I'd had such hopes for that space. We'd done this whole podcast episode about my love for these flowers. And here I was just absolutely failing to grow them. And um, But I kept telling myself, well, you know, dahlia tubers are still there under the ground. And if I take care of them, I can do better next year. But this because, wait, was we have so... to pause. I'm interrupting mm-hmm. you because if you haven't heard that episode, why that episode is so funny is that I learned along with a lot of our listeners, that (laughs) dahlias require you to actually dig up the tuber, save them during the long winter in order to replant them, which is why Christy had mocked Martha Stewart and people who spend that time and now has become one of those people. So I remember us having that conversation when I was at your house looking at the dahlias and saying to you, wow, so at the end of the summer, you're going to dig all these up. And you saying, yes, that's what you do to save your dahlias to replant for next Mm -hmm. year. And it has always felt worthwhile. Um, Even if the work is hard, I I know what the reward is. And so, of course, I was going to do that this year too. And I had put it out there, right, for all our podcast (laughs) listeners. This is a thing that Christy the gardener does. And um, so all fall, I was waiting for the first hard freeze. And then after that hard freeze, you can cut off, you know, all the dead growth and dig up the tubers. And I store them in like plastic bins in my basement. Um, And so I was waiting to do that and assuming I would do that. But oh, Lisa Joe, the fall just got so busy and not busy with necessarily with things I enjoy, but just busy with, you know, work and um, meetings and phone calls and things that, you know, were necessary, um, but not in the 
in and of themselves things that feel very life-giving to me. And so the garden, I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And, you know, I would look out there and, and wait for that freeze. And for a while, I thought I was going to be okay. It was a warmer autumn. And the first hard freeze didn't come and it didn't come. And so I was really grateful. I thought, okay, I've got more time. I've got more time. I'll sort of get a handle on all this other work and just, you know, the busyness of parenting, things going on with the kids. And I thought, okay, I've got time. I've got time. And then it was interesting. The first hard freeze came. And then almost immediately after that, here at Maplehurst in Pennsylvania, the weather got very cold. Mm. So it just went from warm autumn, the plants are not ready to be dug up to like, bam, it almost, you know, it felt like winter. And we had these like sharp, you know, cold fronts come through in November. And so I went from being a feeling like summer will last forever. (laughs) I've got all the time in the world to suddenly it felt like winter and I no longer even wanted to be out in the garden. So then on top of just being busy and kind of overwhelmed with life in general, I would look out the window and think, gosh, I don't even want to be out there. It's too cold. (laughs) And so again, I just procrastinated, procrastinated. I did other things. Oh, Lisa Joe, this is where the story is heading. I did not dig up even one Dahlia tuber. Not one. You did not resubscribe to Martha Stewart and you did not dig up Dahlia tubers. Who are you? Like, who who am I even? (laughs) What is happening? Listeners, are we all in shock? Let's hold one another right now because. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. it's, it's, It's just a magazine. Yeah. It's just flowers. And yet, I feel like those two things epitomize a lot of what happened last year. Mm. We, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, we did a lot of work around the property, work that um, we had planned to do for years. We'd looked, we knew needed to be done, like structural, you know, kind of boring structural kind of work, right? Like we needed, our driveway was falling apart and it was in a terrible place and it had to be torn up and rerouted. It was just work that had to be done. And this year we finally did it um, along with some other work on the house. But what that meant was um, tearing out my vegetable garden, tearing out um, other flower beds I had planted over the years, uh, the seven years that we've lived here. And so when I look back at last year, just in terms of the space where I live, but I think the space where I live reflects, you know, deeper things going on in my life. What I see is a lot of letting go, a lot of losing, saying goodbye, digging up, just like painful digging up. And of course, as a gardener, I know that all of that is good and necessary foundational work, right? You cannot grow a garden if you haven't dug up the weeds. You cannot grow a beautiful flower garden if you haven't prepared the soil and cleared the ground, right? But last year just felt like, I don't know, like so many of the things I love, beautiful flowers, I, I, I was just tearing them out, ripping them out, and then not taking care of them and not having time for the things I love, and that's that's painful, even if it is necessary. So when I look back on this past year, and you know this about me, if any of our listeners are interested in Enneagram, which Lisa, Joe, and I are, we often explain ourselves and tell our stories through the, the prism of our numbers. And as a four, an Enneagram four, um, I often revert to like 
shame and blaming myself and assuming like I did it bad. It's all my fault. You know, <laughs> like this like shame narrative that fortunately I'm learning um, is a lie and isn't the thought process I need to just automatically revert to all the time. So when I look back at this past year and I look especially at the dahlias I did not dig up, <laughs> Some of which, let's be honest, they may survive the winter. So far, December has been, was very mild. And so they may survive it. You know, all hope is not, uh, hope is never lost. Um, But the truth is, I didn't do the work that I love. I didn't do the work I talk about. I didn't do the work I intended to do. But right here in this moment, I can tell you, Lisa Joe, that that wasn't wrong. I was doing other things that I needed to do. I was doing the next right thing. I was doing the next task. I was um, doing good and necessary work, even when I was ripping out the vegetable garden, even when I was, you know, tearing out other things. That work needed to be done. The phone calls needed to be made. The meetings needed to be had. And so I didn't make a mistake. I didn't mess up. I didn't, there's no blame, you know, to impart here. And so I can grieve the Dahlia's lost and at the same time um, say that I think it's how it needed to be. I think it's what it needed to be. And at the same time, Lisa Joe, I want 2020 to be different. I want, I hope 2020 sees me returning to some of the things I love like Dahlia's. So I have no regrets, but I have some grief, but I also have a lot of hope. I have mm. a lot of hope for next year. That's such a powerful statement. I don't have regrets, but there is some grief because I think a lot of us can look at our past years and start to just feel like it's, you know, if you experience grief, then your next inclination is to say, I must have done something wrong or how did it get broken? Who's to blame for it being broken? And when you and I were talking earlier today, I actually pointed out to Christy how she kept saying this phrase, it's not my fault. Like I didn't do that wrong which is so important, I think, as you understand what your internal narrative is, if there is a voice that tends to shame you, it's important (laughs) to actually speak out loud back to that voice and say, no, I didn't Mm -hmm. do that wrong. But it means going into this year, I want some things to be different. I will point out, though, Christy, that it's interesting, while you might not have dug up your Dahlia tubers, the rest of the work you were doing, I think maybe was a little bit like digging out Dahlia tubers, you know, digging out Dahlia tubers itself is not rewarding, right? Like you do it because of the beauty to come, because of the hope and the vision to come. And a lot of the work you did this year, I actually think has the same heart, right? Conversations and meetings and planning and launching books and doing podcast interviews, like all of that maybe is a little bit like digging out dahlias because it doesn't look beautiful right away on the surface, but it's the work that leads to something new that blooms that's beautiful. Oh my gosh, I hadn't even put that together, Lisa Joe, but I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't, I'm a gardener who loves dahlias and I do not enjoy <laughs> digging up those tubers at all. It's cold, miserable work. And you're right. I often felt like I was, again, it wasn't a miserable year, but I was often doing work that, gosh, I would have given anything to postpone and procrastinate. But you're right. You're right. Gosh, maybe this is the year when certain flowers will grow because of the work I did in 2019. Gosh, that too fills me with a lot of hope. A lot of hope. Thank you. Good. And I hope for our listeners, they feel the same way. I think years, we tend to write them off, but but you are the one who has taught me that gardening has seasons and sometimes you weed. Sometimes you dig out the 
the bulbs that look dead in order to replant them again. And I, you know, I've talked a lot about how this year for us was a good year, really good. Lots of work that was hard, but looking back did feel a lot like digging out weeds or digging out tubers and looking forward to a year ahead. And it's why we keep coming back to the idea of the calendar. Like, what does that mean? And I think it's because we want to be intentional about how we use this year, which is why in a season where a lot of people are thinking about what their big yeses are going forward, we actually wanted to start this year with what our no's are, Mm -hmm. because those are part of planning the garden. You know, this is what I'm going to say no to. And I know when you and I sat down together this morning, one of the first sentences I wrote down that came out of your mouth was, I lost all the dahlias and that you didn't want that to happen again. And you said, I'm going to need to say no to some things so that I don't lose the dahlias this year. And I just love that second half of the story because it doesn't say that the first half was bad or that someone was to blame, but it does now give you a new, ooh, I'm going to do it, 2020 perspective (laughs) going forward. It does. It really does. And it, I don't know, it's like seeing years as parts of a whole, but not the whole story in themselves. So 2019 wasn't the whole story. And the work that was begun in 2019, I think, will bear fruit in 2020. And and so the story is ongoing. Um, the story continues. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it, I don't know, it feels like my grief can become productive then, um, rather than just like wallowing in regret. <laughs> Yeah. So when you think about your no this year, and if you think about starting 2020 with a no, how does that look? Like, how are you seeing that in the context of your story walking forward now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, you know, looking back on last year, I don't think um, I was wrong to do those other things instead of being in the garden more. But the fact that I wasn't in the garden very much last year or as much as I wanted to means that now as I look ahead to this year, I wouldn't call it a goal. (laughs) I would really just for me call it a prayer. My prayer going into the next year is that I will be in the garden more. But I think we're, you know, prayers are like participatory with God. They're invitations from God. And so I I do sense that my role in that prayer will be um, taking a hard look at opportunities that come my way, knowing that for me this year, I am prioritizing the garden. It was right for me to not prioritize it last year. Um, I released a book last year, and I think I did the really good and necessary work of um, launching that book and telling people about that book. Um, But I think even as I was doing that work, I knew that I hoped seasons would circle back around where I could do the things I was writing about in that that book, (laughs) you know, placemaking and garden making and so on. And, uh, And so I'm hopeful that this year we'll have space for that, but I'll participate by saying no, like saying necessary no's. And I just, I think, Lisa Joe, there are seasons when, I don't know, like life feels more open-ended. We're a little less sure about the actual tasks on our plate. And we just, we have to say yes more often in order to try things out. And and so I don't think it will always look like this for me. It hasn't in the, for, for people and it hasn't for me in the past, but I do sense this year that invitation to say no more often and with more clarity and also to say not yet. I think that's the important 
corollary to saying no is saying not yet, saying this is a good thing and I will do this, but I won't do it yet because this year I want to plant some new gardens. Mm, I like that. Those are such important phrases, no and not yet. There was a third phrase you and I were talking about earlier over cups of coffee and it was the phrase well done. I think it's important when you look back over a year to actually tell yourself, well done. Um, We were actually saying that to one another um, as we looked at the work we'd done, as we looked at our friendship, as we thought about the podcast, as we thought about navigating some of the hard of last year. And you know, hard doesn't have to actually mean bad. Hard doesn't imply that bad things happen. Hard can simply just mean even in the good work you're doing, it's hard. (laughs) It's challenging. It takes uh, new kinds of thinking or work or partnerships. And um, But as we look back, before we look forward, it's good to say, well done, like well done in what we did this year. I hope our listeners can feel the same, can look at their year, even in their heart, even if there was grief and tell yourself, well done. But I love your idea of the not yet when we think about what we want to say no to. Sometimes it isn't just a hard no. Sometimes it's a, wow, that's great, but not yet because I have to plant dahlias this year. Right. And so that's why I was thinking about the calendar because as much as I make fun of Martha, I do love how her calendar was very intentional, how she put first things first in the calendar. And Mm -hmm. so she had the gardening things she needed to do. And while for me that isn't a literal garden, there are key things in my life and my family that I know need to go in first that are to do with relationship and having teenagers and their sports and creative projects that I really want to circle back to. In the same way that you had dahlia tubes you hadn't dug up, I actually have projects that I planted years ago that I want to go back to and dig them up and have new life and plant them in fresh ways. And those have to go on the calendar first before I can say yes to others things. So for me too, it's a year of not just hard no's, but but also not yet's. Although I have had a hard no that started last year that surprised me um, and is continuing into this year. And so for our listeners who might not have seen much of me online have wondered why I haven't responded if you've tagged me in Instagram or sent me a message. It's because two months ago, eight weeks now, um, in early November, I finally did something I had been waiting to do for a long time and decided to say a no to social media and stepped off of all social media platforms. So my biggest one really is Instagram, um, but Facebook, Twitter, um, anywhere you can interact in an online forum just stepped away from that. And it has been a huge change for me. And I don't have a definite end point. I think at some point I probably will circle back on. But at the time, it really was a response to an invitation from the Lord that I'd been hearing for a long time. And I just, there's just no way to say that without sounding super annoyingly preachy and pretentious. I apologize. It's just (laughs) what it is. (laughs) But I just felt a nagging like a fly or a mosquito like in my ear for ages just be like Lisa Joe Lisa Joe like can you say no to this can you step away can i be enough who are you without all of this in your life and the work i do requires me so i thought to live in these spaces i just i could not imagine saying no to that tiny little app on my phone. It just, it it was inconceivable to me, especially in the season of launching a book, which I did this year as well. Um, but it got so loud that that question, <laughs> could I say no to social media? Could I step into a season of quiet? 
that finally I did. I talked to three people about it. Uh, my husband, Christy, my podcast co-host, and my agent, my literary agent. And it was a really big decision. But once I made it, I realized, oh, it isn't. Which is to say, I think we give certain things um, an inflated sense of importance in our lives. We and do. So, social media is a big one. And I did not realize how much in my own head social media had taken up so much space that I would really describe it as just like, you know, what's the most virulent weed you can think of, Christy? Like what grows and just takes over the space of all living things in a garden? You've got to know a name of something. Like that grass that grew in our garden that Peter yes. sent you photographs of. It's like that weed grass. What is that stuff? Yes. Is that like a knotweed or something? I did look that up for your husband because I have the same horrible grass weed in mine and it just takes over and smothers everything. Yeah. So social media is like that for, or, you know, had been like that for you. That makes sense. And we had it. I mean, this is the kind of grass, you guys, that is is high, like waist high. It looks a little bit like dry bulrushes, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just this very tall grass and it just took over all of our flower beds around our house. And so suddenly we had waist high, like weird, <laughs> I would say felt grass because that's like the word from South Africa, like uh, like prairie grasses, I guess is how I would describe it in English is what it looked like just everywhere. And it felt to me at the time insurmountable. Like, I don't know how to deal with the stuff. There's so much of it. I don't even know where I would begin. We're just going to have to live with it. Like I and Peter works a full-time job in the city. He travels so many hours in the car every day. I'm then driving kids back and forth and trying to get my own work done. Like going out into the garden for like five or six hours of dealing with this cross, I, I couldn't fathom doing it, which is how I think social media had started to feel to me. It was everywhere. It was my whole mm. life. It was my job, my identity, my partnerships with brands, revenue. It was it was everything. How do you possibly step away from something, especially when you have a publishing contract, which I have, where you have another book due, which I do, and your publisher is telling you, you need to keep growing your social media. You need that to promote your book. How do you then say to yourself, <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that. How, how does that even begin? And so this grass is such a perfect metaphor. And I remember talking, Peter sent pictures of the grass to Christy in our despair, saying, what do we do with this stuff? And Christy made it worse by simply saying, yes, it's terrible. It takes over everywhere that it goes. <laughs> and because she doesn't live down the road from me, she couldn't come over and help. But I mentioned it to my friend Amy, who is a lot like Christy, who some of you probably met at the Out of the Ordinary podcast live event. She's the one who did the incredible art piece on the side of the barn. We took a lot of photographs under this beautiful bower of chalk flowers she drew on the side of the black barn. Amy said, why don't I just come over and help you pull that? Aww. And I said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, Who would offer to do that? And she goes, oh, no, I enjoy it. I find it really therapeutic. And I was like, well, you're crazy, but I will take advantage of that. Please come over. So Amy came over with, with, with gloves, with shovels, with old clothes and said to me, listen, you're going to be surprised how easily it comes out. 
I will mm-hmm. never forget that because when I looked at it, it was so daunting. And she just walked up to it, took a huge fistful and ripped and the entire patch like came out by the roots with a big clot of dirt, but it just, it ripped right out. And I said, wait, it's that easy? And I walked over and took a huge handful and just ripped it out. And it was so therapeutic. We spent about two and a half or three hours out in several beds and just ripped it out by the handful. And it just popped right out. It wasn't, it didn't have deep roots. It wasn't hard to remove. It didn't have prickles. And Christy, that is how removing social media has been for me. It seems like it's going to take forever. It seems like it must be deeply rooted into who you are. And yet, when you take it by the hand and you give a tug, you are surprised at how quickly it just pops out of your life. So I walked away from Instagram. I remember the day, November 5th, I pushed down on the Instagram app on my phone. And you know how the apps like start to vibrate like that before you delete them? It looked like it was shivering, like it was shuddering, like, please don't, please don't do this to me. Please don't. And I was like, you are dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) I hit the X and it disappeared and bam, it it was gone just like that. And all the weeds that had grown in my mind of... Really, what had become, what felt like my full-time job had become the hard work of not comparing myself to other people, right? Like, we can be people who aren't naturally envious, who love championing women, who think their work is amazing, and yet it can then start to feel like your full-time job is to do the work of not giving into those feelings of comparison. And pulling out those weeds, I can tell you eight weeks later, it has had a dynamic shift on who I am. Largely, I think it has righted some things that were wrong. I think I had a lot of weeds growing in my mind that were just of self, you know? Social media tends to amplify who we are and give ourselves an inflated sense of our own importance in the same way that those weeds had taken over our garden and made the whole garden look like weeds. I think I'd really lived in a season for a long time where I felt like a lot of my story was the story, (laughs) you know, like somehow I'm this person who's so much more important than she thinks she is. Because when you're constantly creating content, mining your life in order to give it to other people online, thinking about stories and angles, replying to hundreds of messages, seeing new likes and followers, trying to connect with other big influencers, it grossly overinflates who you actually are. And I think as we know, but don't often put into practice, humility is simply thinking of ourselves less. Like, I mean, not thinking of ourselves less or poorer or thinking ourselves more, but just sort of just not thinking. It's a sort of a righteous self-forgetfulness where you don't appear in the picture. So, I'll give you two examples to wrap up the story. When I first started, when I first stepped off social media, I was very aware of how I wasn't on anymore. And I arrived at an event at Micah's school and there was another mom I hadn't seen in a while. I sat down next to her and she turned to me and and said to me, oh my goodness, you know, I've just really missed seeing you. And I said, oh, I know. I hear that from a lot of people. That's, I mean, not being on Instagram is is having that, you know, that response I'm hearing. And she looked at me kind of puzzled and said, no, I mean, like, since soccer season is over, like, I've missed seeing you <laughs> at practices. <laughs> and I realized she wasn't referring to my Instagram account at all. <laughs> like, not everybody <laughs> was paying attention to the fact that I was no longer on Instagram. And I laughed and I realized, oh, yeah, yeah, I've actually missed you too. <laughs> I too miss soccer. And eight weeks later, 
as that a lot of that grass has just been pulled out of my life and my life has gotten a lot quieter. I no longer have the full-time job of, you know, not trying to absorb a thousand other stories a day. Um, I met my friend Amy, who had helped me weed. I met her and her girls at the movie theaters where we're all going to take our daughters to see the wonderful new Little Women. And right before we entered the theater, there was this large group of women who were trying to take a picture. I could see they were trying to get themselves in the picture, couldn't quite do it. And I walked over and offered to take the photograph for them. And they were so pleased. And I took the picture and it was lovely. And Amy said to me afterwards, were those women... um, trying to get a picture with you? She said, I was wondering if they knew you and were trying to get a picture or they just asked you to take the picture. And in that moment, I started laughing because it had not even crossed my mind that they would have any idea who I was or want a picture with me, that I was simply there to take a picture of them in their moment. And I realized what a large journey that was, like what an arc had happened in my life to simply just forget to think of myself, which is exactly the right kind of headspace I think we should be in when it comes to ourselves. So for me, that has been the biggest no that I hope to actually carry into quite a large part of this year. And next week, we'll talk about what our big yes has been. And mine is, is you know, the flip side of this. How does my yes come into play in this dynamic? But like you, it has felt like weeding. It has felt like work. It has felt like digging things up. But in order to make room, right, for something else, right. which is ultimately what you guys have been doing at Maplehurst, too. That's right. I'm thinking about how like your no to social media, the no's that I'm anticipating saying in this year are about shrinking back down to my good and ordinary size and capacity. Yes, my (laughs) good and ordinary size. Yeah. And how excited I am to, to live an ordinary life this next year full of Things I love, like making dinner for my kids and being out in the garden and tending some flowers and growing some vegetables, like that is such ordinary stuff. And yet for me, it is the stuff of life. And I want to live an ordinary life. Now, Mm -hmm. I think in doing that, I think we're going to do extraordinary things in this next year. I think extraordinary stories will begin to grow because, oh my word, I mean, gardens are extraordinary, but it's when we kind of shrink back down and stop trying to inflate ourselves, whether through, you know, amplifying ourselves on social media in unhealthy ways. And of course, you know, neither one of us are saying that like social media always has this effect. I mean, I'm still there. You can still find me on Instagram. I But I think it's about recognizing um, when it's become, a you know, a weed in your life. Um, but gosh, I'm looking forward to yeah, shrinking back down to what feels like a healthy, sustainable capacity. And I can't do that if I'm not willing to say no. If I go on, you know, there are seasons of just saying yes, yes, yes. And I think um, we've both been through those, but I'm looking forward to a season of no, I think because it will create space. It will create space again for some of the things I love, which um, I don't know. It's like a weird irony. You think it would be the opposite. You think if you're inflating yourself and saying more yeses and trying to do more, then you'll get more somehow in return. And I think what we're saying is the weird, crazy, wonderful thing is that in tending our ordinary, in forgetting ourselves, you know, and in not making so much of ourselves that we will actually experience more even maybe do more, be more effective, like reach those goals if you have those goals. Um, 
respond faithfully to God's invitations, we'll be able to do that not by trying to make more of ourselves, but somehow by making less of ourselves. Can mm. I put it that way? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, excited. And I I mean, I like how you describe it as shrinking ourselves to our right, our good, our ordinary size, because this this holiday season, this past holiday season, has felt the most fulfilling, the most rich, the most meaningful simply because it was just ours, our family, because I didn't need to amplify it or share it or compare it or show it off or mine it. I allowed it to be the right size. I allowed it to be what it is. I allowed it to be ours. And I, in so doing, really found just the rich treasure, the bounty of an ordinary life, the sacredness of this ground beneath our feet. And we talked last year in our Christmas episodes about how Christmas itself isn't this fragile thing that we can break, how it really is the solid ground beneath our feet that we walk on the rest of the year, this promise that Jesus came. There's nothing we can do to break that, to ruin it, to mess it up. It is. It just is. It's it's an eternal fact beneath our feet. And I think for me, pulling out some of the weeds of social media allowed me to walk on that ground and see it in a way that I hadn't in a long time. And you're right to say it's not social media that is at fault. It's what we allow it to be in our lives. I think that kind of grass that grew in our garden, in places people use that, right, to Mm -hmm. hold back dirt from erosion, Um, It's used in specific ways in landscaping, but when it takes over, when it's all there is to see, then you know there's a problem and you need to start pulling some of it out. So for me, pulling it out revealed just the staggering beauty of my ordinary life. I didn't need to filter it and I didn't need anybody else's approval or opinion about it. It was enough. The gift itself was enough. And so that no has really helped me find rich soil, I guess, beneath my feet again that is ready, that's ready for a yes again at some point. Well, I can't wait to hear next week, next Wednesday, what the shape of your particular yes will be. I look forward to that conversation. And you too, if it's not tubers or calendars, what is it going to be? What is it? (laughs) If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.